You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 907 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday, and Atlanta Hawks get off the schneid, so to speak, with a victory on this fine Monday, knocking off the 76ers by a final score of 112-94. Atlanta dominated this contest, and with good reason, playing as a shorthanded Sixers team, it would have been bad if the Hawks lost this game, and uh, instead, they took care, took care of business, led by, led by a ton for most of the second half, and a nice performance from Atlanta overall that we'll dive into momentarily. A couple of quick notes to hit on from before the game actually started. The NBA announced that they actually are going to be meeting with the Players Association as of Monday into Tuesday about modifying the protocol for health and safety. There's actually a board of governors meeting scheduled for Tuesday, apparently, according to the NBA. And uh, the Hawks, I would say just a few minutes after that announcement, after those announcements sort of started to surface, announced themselves that they're going to be continuing to play games at State Farm Arena with limited guests. And they're now targeting January 26th for the return of ticketed fans to the arena. And while it's important to note that the Hawks never actually announced they were going to have fans back in the stadium um, on MLK Day, that was the reported plan by the AJC. Steve Coonan spoke to the AJC for that story, so that was definitely the plan of some sort. The Hawks never necessarily announced that that I saw, but this is a change of only eight days right now, which is important to point out, but the, the entire plan... The Hawks say has been discussed with all kinds of authority figures, health experts, etc. And the plan is to have the arena at 10% capacity, which is about 1,700 tickets before, and I quote, gradually increasing throughout the season pending adequate conditions, end quote. So all that to say, this could change again, but uh, fans won't be back in the arena for another couple of weeks here, it appears. And that's sort of in conjunction with a lot of the talk that's been happening. There have been rumors or at least discussions about the league maybe shutting down for a week or two. We'll see. There's a Board of Governors meeting on Tuesday. That'll be telling a lot. I would say the Hawks are one of the few teams that have, has sort of avoided this um, altogether, knock on wood. Not, there's, not, there's not been a whole lot of protocol issues. Uh, Tony Snell was out early on, but he was actually already injured. And then R- Rondo had to leave and come back. And he missed a couple of games in terms of protocols. But they had not had the kind of breakout that the Sixers have had. Other teams, Miami, etc., have been dealing with the last couple of days and weeks. So that's sort of the backdrop of, of this. The Hawks getting the win is the local story for sure, but in terms of the broad NBA story on this Monday into Tuesday, a lot of it is about the NBA's protocol system and you know how it's not working, how it is working, all that stuff going into Tuesday. So hopefully that'll be something that we don't have to t- discuss quite as much in the future, but right now it is definitely a big story, even if the Hawks have not, have not been individually touched just yet by all that. As for basketball stuff on this evening, um, there was an update performed on uh, Bogdanovich after the last podcast. I know I recorded on Saturday, Saturday evening into Sunday, and then wrote about this on Sunday and tweeted about it, etc. But on the podcast note, Bogdanovich, of course, left the game on Saturday. The team said that it was a right knee injury, and then uh, Lloyd Pierce said after that on Sunday afternoon that he was about to undergo an MRI. The team then announced Sunday evening that Bogdanovich has been diagnosed with an avulsion fracture in his right knee with associated soft tissue inflammation and a bone bruise. As of right now, there is no firm timeline for his return. Now, the team has said that a treatment plan will be updated later on this week, 
Lloyd Pierce was actually asked again today for more information. He didn't he didn't have any to share with us. There's been lots of speculation. Some stuff's been written, Google searched, uh, injury experts have weighed in from across the league after watching the video and some backdrop on with, with some doctors on that kind of stuff. It's definitely, you know, sort of mixed reviews, I will say, on what's been out there, not, not a whole lot of consistency. With that said, it seems to be like four to six weeks, four to eight weeks have been the common projections that I have been seeing. I'm not a doctor, and the Hawks have not said anything about this timeline, so I will be uh, not necessarily guessing uh, without real info here. But kind of the only thing that everyone agrees on is that it's going to be a few weeks, I would imagine, at least, for Bogdanovich. So just keep that in mind moving forward. Um, Nothing further right now in terms of uh, what we know, but we'll obviously update you moving forward if there is more information on this. I know it's not been incredible this season, but they do need him in a big way. They got Tony Snell back today. But um, he's not going to be able to replicate everything that Bogdanovich gave them. So without Gallinari especially as well and Dunn and all that, the Hawks are pretty shorthanded. And uh, being without Bogdanovich for a while is not ideal. Hopefully he'll be back in four or six weeks rather than longer than that. But uh, hold your breath until then. As for Monday individually, the injury report, like I said before briefly, the Philadelphia was very shorthanded here. They only had nine guys available. Three of those guys were centers, and really all of their guards, other than Tyrese Maxey, who was a late first-round pick, who I liked a lot, but still a rookie. All of their perimeter guys, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Shake Milton, uh, Korkmaz, all those guys were out in this game. So Philly was not necessarily a uh, NBA-quality team, other than Joel Embiid, who is obviously a star, and he was awesome in the first half of this game. But other than Joel Embiid and like Mike Scott, a couple others, they didn't really have a whole lot of NBA talent in this game. Still, the Hawks had to win it. And Atlanta was out, Atlanta was shorthanded as well, without Gallinari, and Dunn, Rondo, uh, Akongwu, etc. Also, the Hawks, by the way, as an update quickly, Chris Dunn hits his two-week mark for a reevaluation on Thursday, so that'll be coming up pretty soon, and Gallinari's is on Saturday, so hopefully we'll get some more information on those guys in the near future. Rondo missed this game, but it was already announced that he would be missing this game, so he'll be, he's actually scheduled to be reevaluated before they leave for their trip this week, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then I actually wanted to um, play some audio for you quickly. This is actually from Sunday afternoon. I actually asked Lloyd Pierce about Tony Snell and how close he was to contributing. Snell played in this game, but did not play at all until the fourth quarter, so he was not going to be in the rotation. The game was well out of hand at this point. So Lloyd touched on a Kongwu in the same answer, so you'll hear that now. But here is uh, the response from Pierce when I actually asked about kind of where Snell was in the recovery process. Yeah, each day is, you know, it's really, he's medically clear is the best way that I can say it. And, uh, you know, now it's just conditioning, strength, confidence. Um, you know, it's not so much the injury, it's the, it's the uh, inability to play consistent basketball when we're not practicing. And so it's one thing to be clear because you've been doing all of your conditioning drills and strength work and shooting and all of that he hasn't played a lot against live bodies. And so that's where we're trying to just get more repetitions. And it's the same thing with big O. Um, He just needs, you know, NBA conditioning against NBA bodies before we say, Hey, you got Joel Embiid tomorrow. (laughs) Welcome to the NBA. That's a tough introduction for a guy that's played, you know, three on three against Matt Hill, my assistant and Marlon Garnett, my assistant um, and Nathan Knight. And so we're just trying to, trying to build up from being medically clear to physically able to play. Um, and, you know, and, and hopefully we'll be able to get both of those guys this week in, in some capacity at the very, at the very minimum. So you hear that and obviously the Hawks played tonight and it's not still, still to play, but 
Uh, interesting to kind of hear that, especially with the Kong Wu, who's of course the more high profile guy that I get asked about all the time when he'll be coming back. You hear Pierce refer to there to Kong Wu as potentially back this week at some point. That's definitely intriguing, and we'll talk about him more when he ends up playing. Coming into the night, Pierce did say that Snell would be limited to 12 to 15 minutes and also would not be necessarily likely to get there. And we saw that through the competitive portion of this game, but still he got out there and played. That was good to see. Um, final thing on the pregame is that Again, because of how shorthanded the Sixers were, Philly's Philly's still seven and four, even with the loss. They're a good basketball team at full strength, but the Hawks were actually favored in this game by six points, and that kind of that kind of seemed funny to people. People were asking me why why that was after losing four games in a row. But the biggest thing was that Philly was so shorthanded, and also the Hawks were you know necessarily. I will say they they they've been performing better than their actual numbers indicate recently. Their net rating was still pretty good. All that stuff, but the Hawks take care of business here, and we'll talk about that momentarily. We'll go through the blow-by-blow. If you're new listener to the podcast, what we normally do on the show is to sort of dive into the you know pathway of the game, the game flow, some notes that I had throughout the game, and then at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about the individual players one by one. So after a break, we'll come back and do all of that, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. The NBA season is here. College basketball is in full swing, and the NFL playoffs are happening right now. And with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA getting geared up as the regular season continues with great matchups on a nightly basis, there is a jam-packed slate of college basketball games almost every night. And from there, all eyes are on the NFL playoffs, with the league's biggest stars in action in the upcoming divisional round set to trim the remaining teams from 8 down to 4. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline.ag at any sport you can think of, and BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering, a ton of future bets, and exotic offerings. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the game flow that transpired here. And again, obviously the Hawks win this game comfortably, but it was not always that way. The first quarter actually was not ideal for Atlanta. Um, the Hawks came out and definitely tried to push the tempo early. That's something Lloyd Pierce talked about after the game as well. It was very clear watching that the Hawks wanted to play fast. Pierce was encouraging that throughout. You can tell that in the building. And the Hawks just didn't make shots out of the gate. They started 2 of 9 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3. A couple good looks that just kind of missed. And Pierce called a frustrated timeout down 8 to 4 out of the gate. And Capella struggled out of the gate for sure against Embiid. He got a, he got a quick foul, was clunky on offense. Just not, did not play very well on the hole in this game. Did have one good stint later on that we'll talk about. But he was not, not his best self, I will say. They went to Bruno Fernando, which was a kind of a surprise, but Philly played pretty huge in this game. They actually had lineups uh, at multiple occasions with uh, Embiid and Dwight Howard on the court together, which is crazy in the modern NBA, but they had so little guys available that it wasn't too much of a shock, but they went to Bruno for that bulk, um, and that did not necessarily go super well either. I don't think Bruno played great. He actually missed his first shot on a runner that was kind of hilariously bad. Um, from there, they actually went to Solomon Hill at the four, but later on, Solomon Hill played, played the three a decent amount in this game, which is a reminder that the Hawks are shorthanded on the wing right now without Bogdanovich. If Snell was not ready to go, which, which I don't think, think he necessarily was at a high level, the Hawks are down to basically three wings that they trust right now, and then you throw in, you know, Hill can play a little bit on the wing. Um, you know, Beyond that, though, it's kind of shallow at the moment, and that was a good reminder when seeing Solomon Hill play the three tonight. But the Hawks did struggle. Six points in the first six minutes, despite playing really fast. But then the offense finally woke up on back-to-back threes from John Collins and Trey Young. 
It was Trey Young's first three pointer three pointer made since last Monday. He had uh, go he had gone empty the last two games. Finished this game three of seven from three. Shot the ball well, and just by the way, a spoiler played played great in this game for the most part. At one point in the first quarter, Joel Embiid had 16 points and the Hawks had 19 points. They, they, they could not stop Joel Embiid. Not a huge surprise. Um, he also had, <laughs> Embiid actually has his career high against the Hawks at one point. Um, he had 49 points uh, in in Atlanta in the not too long past. Um, but that's just one of those things that happens. He was cooking early on, but that was kind of the only thing that was really bothering the Hawks. Once they started double teaming him, it became a lot easier for Atlanta's defense. I thought late in the first quarter, Brandon Goodwin gave them some good, some good minutes, including a nice sequence where he had an extra pass to Reddish for a corner three that he got a steal on the layup to cut the lead down to four. And the Hawks trailed by as many as nine in the first quarter. But to be fair to Brandon, he did miss a bunny on the next possession, which is kind of a, I would say, an excruciating miss layup. Uh, I thought he played great in this game, honestly. That was that one got some, uh, some groans, uh, even from the people that were in attendance, the limited people that were there. Anyway, the Hawks trailed by four at the end of the first quarter, despite... Um, only three turnovers. They actually shot the ball a little bit better, but Philly had it, Philly had it going a little bit behind Embiid in the first quarter. But from that point forward, you know the Hawks lost that quarter by four and won the game by 18. And by the way, again led by 35 in the fourth. So uh, not too much worry uh, in terms of the rest of the game. But second quarter. You know, early on, some good ball pressure, I thought, from the Hawks, especially Brendan Goodwin and Cam Reddish on Philly's shaky ball handlers. Once the Hawks turn, sort of turn up the uh, heat a little bit, that was effective. By the way, as a sidebar, I think it was kind of a poorly officiated first half in a lot of ways. It hurt the flow. There was a lot going on. The Hawks benefited from it at times in the second quarter because, by the way, the Hawks took 16 free throws in the quarter, in the second quarter. Now, part of that is that they took advantage of it. They got in the bonus and they went and sort of to the rim aggressively trying to get to the line and it was very effective but uh kind of a kind of a weird flow to this game at times there was a nice trail three from by, by John Collins in the second quarter and then he had a nice drop drop off pass to Clay Capella for a dunk to retake the lead it was a 10 to 2 run by Atlanta to open the second quarter to go up by 4 points and the Hawks led the rest of the way from there Philly scored 2 points in the first 4 minutes of the quarter to kind of help the Hawks make that comeback there was a stretch where I made in my notes uh, just the fact that Capella and Fernando were both quite bad in the first in the first half, uh, but the last stint for Capella sort of erased some of that. He was more active, rim running, uh, not, not necessarily trying to do too much on offense, playing good effective defense, getting rebounds, etc. And then Trey Young was awesome down the stretch of the first quarter. He had three three assists in a row that were really nice, kind of high level passes. And then a nice lob dunk from Herter to Reddish on an inbounds pass that was uh, pretty pretty springy from Cam Reddish on that dunk as well. Um, the Hawks pushed the lead to as many as 11 at one point uh, midway through the quarter on a couple of, uh, you know, Philly was playing pretty big and the Hawks took advantage of some of that by uh, sort of being in attack mode and all that. But then at the end of the first half, an 18-8 to run by Atlanta to close the half go up by 15 points, and they really dominated the second quarter overall. I said the free throw, free throw attempts already, but 16 is a crazy number. The Hawks had nine assists in the period, and then they got up to a 1.25 points per possession in the first half, which is really impressive given how slowly they started in this game. Trey Young had 14.6 assists in the first half, 10 points each from Capella and Reddish, and the Hawks were 17 to nothing in fast break points. They were playing so fast and trying to push it down their throats, and it was very effective. Also took care of the ball at a high level with five turnovers, at the break, Joel Embiid had 24 and 10 in the first half, which is pretty jarring, but they were down 15, which kind of tells you how shorthanded Philly was. And then from there, Embiid barely played in the second half, and rightly so. They were kind of out of it. They have a back to back as well. So that helped the Hawks, but still, 
they were going to win this game anyway. And coming out of the gate, Lloyd Pierce was pretty uh, effusive in this after the game, but he thought the biggest moment in this game was the beginning of the third quarter, which is not unreasonable because the Hawks have had some leads so far this season that that they've sort of given away in the second half. And in this spot, they came out of the gate flying and just put the game completely away. They were going to win probably the entire way. Up 15 points against a shorthanded team at home. They should have won the game. They were huge favorites. But it went from huge favorites to game over in about the first you know, six minutes of the second half. An 8-0 run by the Hawks out of the gate to go up by 23. Four of those points by Trey Young uh, on a jumper and a layup. And then Philly did not score for more than three minutes in the third quarter. They pushed it to a 15-2 overall run going up by 28 points, and Embiid was then out of the game from that point forward. There was one little mini push by Philly to get it down to 22, but then Trey hit a catch-and-shoot three in the corner to put it back up to uh, where they wanted it. And then they actually went pretty deep into the bench by the end of the third quarter. They had Nathan Knight in the game. Uh, They went to a Goodwin, Herter, Hill, Knight, and Fernando lineup. Late in the third, they pushed the lead up to 30. Um, Brandon Goodwin had a three and then a layup to go from 27 to 32. The Hawks, through three quarters, had better offensive numbers in the full game, so I'm going to point those now because the fourth quarter was basically garbage time the entire way, and the Hawks played like it. But through three quarters, the Hawks had six turnovers total, which is excellent. They had 26 free throw attempts. That's also very good. And they shot 42% from three in the first three quarters. So that was more indicative of what the Hawks actually did in this game. The fourth quarter, they ended up losing 29-15 to because they just did not care and played you know bad lineups and didn't have a, a ton of energy in the fourth. But even then... So through three, three, three quarters, it was pretty impressive. The Hawks led early in the fourth by as many as 35 points, as, as I said before. It was a 9-0 run by Philly. They never actually got really back into it. Um, it was still 30-25, to 25, somewhere around there for a lot of the third quarter. Sorry, a lot of the fourth quarter. They actually went back to Capella at one point for brief for a brief time, but he was the only starter that appeared in the fourth. There was no Collins, no Young, um, no Reddish, and no Hunter, to my knowledge, in the fourth quarter. So it was a lot of Nathan Knight and Fernando and Solomon Hill, Brendan Goodwin. They went to Snell late. They went to Scholar Mays late in the fourth. So uh, there you have it on that. It was uh, a lot of garbage time, which is not the worst thing in the world, quite frankly. It's just one of those things. So um, we'll talk about the individual takeaways momentarily um, in, ter- in terms of the broad stuff. But I'll just say this before we get to the break. This is a game the Hawks just needed to take care of business in. And we could talk around it all day long. It is certainly worth pointing out, like, at the end of the season, if you're just glancing at the Hawks' schedule and you see an 18-point win over Philly, that looks pretty darn impressive because Philly is going to be a pretty good team this year. The context is important. The Hawks beat a really bad team today, especially if you factor in that Embiid didn't play in the second half and all that. You know, Danny Green was 0 of 9 from the floor, all that stuff. But the Hawks did what they needed to do in this game. They took care of business, and they were up by 35 points against a team that they, were, that they were better than. So it doesn't like take everything away, but it's a good reminder that the Hawks are good when they're dialed in. They made shots in this game at a reasonable rate. Defensively, they played hard, and they, again, took care of business. That's kind of the way that I would describe this victory for Atlanta. Okay, before we get into some final takeaway stuff on the podcast, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different price tiers for pro mechanics to do it yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone and they're always low. Instead of the market changing prices, rockauto.com simply presents the lowest prices possible at all times. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. 
and the rockauto.com catalog is also easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend more for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there, write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, before we get to the individual stuff, I will just give you some broad team-wide takeaways. The Hawks defensively held the Sixers to 95 points for 100 possessions, and it was in the 80s before the fourth quarter, so a pretty dominant effort there. They had some trouble with Embiid, for sure. But, you know, as we'll get into momentarily, Capella was kind of not great in this game. But Embiid's a load against anyone, so no real worries there. And defensively, the Hawks played well. They contained shooters. They only allowed 8 of 36 from 3. They didn't foul a lot. Um, they didn't create a ton of turnovers, which is not necessarily great. But they dominated the glass, again, as they have been for most of the season so far, especially with the starters in the game. So a nice performance there. They also played super fast, as I said before. They, uh, they dominated the points in the paint when the game was actually mattering, but it was 21 to two in fast break points. That was indicative of what transpired here. I got to the line. They took, they took a lot of threes and which is and probably some good looks overall. So yeah, I mean, nothing crazy jumps out to you in terms of the way they play. They just kind of were the better team throughout. We'll talk about some individual stuff now um, to the bench first, uh, you know, Skylar Mays played five minutes, uh, you know, all garbage time, nothing really to take away from that. Tony Snell, like I said, played played for the first time, made his Hawks debut. He played seven minutes. He was 0-3 from the floor, 0-2 from three. And, you know, not a whole lot to take away there. Missed a couple of open shots, which is going to happen. He was obviously rusty. And I think at that point in time, the plan was not to play him. Once a guy like that does not play in the first like quarter and a half, the plan almost always is to not play him. So he, he played because the game was over, and uh, they wanted to get him out, some, get, get some run out there, which is probably good. They're going to need him at some point in this next couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, he didn't look great, but it's not a huge surprise at this point in time. The guys who did play, Nathan Knight was one of seven from the floor. He was very active. I thought he did some good stuff. Had, actually had two blocks, but just couldn't get the ball to go in the basket around the rim. But 16 minutes is good to have him just get some playing time. Uh, Solomon Hill did Solomon Hill stuff in 22 minutes, had three threes, eight rebounds, actually, nine points, and was a plus two in 22 minutes. I thought Goodwin was really good. In this game, 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists in 23 minutes. 5 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3. I thought Brandon was really active. He's been getting praise from his teammates and Pierce the entire season. I think it's, uh, you know, worthy, honestly. Like, obviously, his his shooting is not always going to be the most efficient thing in the world. But his energy level, even when the game was being was still competitive in the first half, was crucial. I thought he played hard and played well, made some stuff happen, and uh, probably earned his numbers in this game. And then the last two guys on the bench, Bruno Fernando, 21 minutes. Bruno was not very good in this game. Uh, and it doesn't really matter because the game was so lopsided, but sort of, sort of as a takeaway here, two points, five rebounds, two assists. He had his hands full with Embiid. That's a tough matchup for anybody. But even against Dwight, he was not um, playing particularly awesome. Um, people, of course, want to call for Nathan Knight, and I totally get that. Um, Bruno, I thought, you know, at least from what I was taking away when they were playing Bruno, they wanted the size and the physicality, but he just didn't have it in this game. So, you know, it would not be a surprise to me, especially once Gallo's back, if Bruno's not playing at all. And then you throw in a Kong Wu and it gets pretty dicey for Bruno. And then Kevin Herter, 24, 24 minutes, 8 points, 5 rebounds, an assist, a steal. 
Um, three of nine from the floor, one of four from three. He took he took a couple of long threes, which I actually was uh, encouraged by. I want to see him let it fly almost a little bit more. But was plus twelve when he played. He he looked fine, no problems at all there for Kevin. To the starters, again, all of them played twenty six minutes or less because this game was so so far out of hand, which is nice to see. If you're trying to hit, on, you're you're heading out to the West Coast momentarily, so nice to have them not have to exert too much energy in this game. Ken Reddish, ten points, five rebounds. And a steal at 24 minutes. He was 3 of 8 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3. Got to the line for 3 free throws. Got just a solid night for Cam. Made a couple plays, as I said before. A big dunk. A two-hander from Herder on that inbounds pass, which is nice to see. And defensively, he did a good job on the limited perimeter players for Philadelphia. Click Capella had a double-double with 12 and 11. Had a steal and a block as well. And again, he was better in that, in that stint late in the first half. It was kind of his uh, most important stint of the, of the game, I would say. And then at sort of opening the third quarter as well. First half was pretty shaky. 4-12 from the floor is not good for Clint Capella because he's not taking any tough shots, really. He had some finishing troubles against Embiid in particular, and even against Dwight. So it's a tough matchup for a pure center going against Joel Embiid. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Dwight Howard fan, but he's actually been playing pretty well for the last year and a half. So that's worth saying. At the same time, he was just not good in the first half. I know the numbers look fine. He's plus 26. I get all that, but uh, if you watch the tape, he was not making a ton of plays. He was kind of in the way, clogging the offense a little bit offensively. Defensively, he made a couple plays and rebounded the ball well, as he's often going to do. But I was encouraged to see him improve as the game went along. The under 100 was kind of quiet, but even then, 15 points, 7 rebounds, an assist, and a steal. We've gotten to the point where Hunter being quiet is still putting up real numbers in 23 minutes. He was efficient as he's as he's been all season long. Got to the line seven times. Four of eight from the free throw line. Sorry, four of eight from the field. One of two from three. Just played great. Played solid. Did DeAndre Hunter stuff. John Collins was four of seven from the floor, and all seven shots were threes, which is crazy for John Collins. The first time in his career, I looked. I looked this up. That he, that he did not attempt a two point shot, which is kind of just a weird coincidence in a lot of ways. He had twelve point seven rebounds. Didn't come back into the fourth quarter at all. Pierce got asked after the game about kind of why that happened and why he took so many threes versus not threes. And he kind of just talked again about game flow, pivoted back to the game, to the team itself, and just said that, look, that's the shots that he was getting in this game. The Hawks obviously were playing a little bit, you know, they're playing against a team that's a lot bigger than the normal. Uh, you know, Philly's playing two centers for part of this game, and John is a good shooter, which Lloyd said. He was like, you know, he's a good shooter. He's going to get open shots. He's going to take them, and he made them. So there you go. Um, and also, because of the way the game flow went, he wasn't really playing much, if at all, as a center in this game. Like, for most of the season, he's been a center a lot of the time. Basically, when he's not playing with Capella, he's, he's been the center for the vast majority of the season. Tonight, he played with Capella a lot, and then he played against played with Bruno. So it wasn't like he was getting the same kind of uh, reps around the rim and all that. You know, I think he still played well, and I wasn't like concerned by it, but it was it was notable that he, didn't, he, he did not attempt a two-point shot. So uh, he shot the ball with from three. And we're at the point now with John on trail threes, in particular top of the key. That I think they're going in like when they go up and they and they generally do. So there you go. Um and lastly, Trey Young played much, much better in this game. 26 points, eight assists, no turnovers, a steal, three rebounds, got to the line six times, five of six, three of seven from three, nine of nineteen from the floor in 25 minutes. So 26 and eight in 25 minutes kind of speaks for itself, but he was efficient. He was dialed in, uh, his energy was high, he was playing fast, making good decisions. 
The one thing that I will point out um, on the skeptical side is that his floater game is still not quite there yet. A couple of misses that he don't he normally makes. That's been the case all season long. But the jump shot came around in this game. He was shooting the ball with confidence. Took seven threes, which is more than he's been taking so far this year. So if you're worried about Trey Young, and I, and I never was, as I've been saying this entire time, this is a good data point for Trey. And uh, you know the Hawks were playing fast, and uh, Lloyd Pierce credited Trey for playing downhill, um, helping the Hawks really spur the tempo in this game and he was uh, pretty effusive in his praise of the way that Trey played overall just even beyond the numbers the way that he was kind of spurring the offense getting them going and uh, playing fast against that Philly team so again all told a good night for the Hawks they will go on the road beginning on Wednesday Uh, it's gonna be an interesting trip to monitor because the Hawks have a lot going on Uh, Wednesday in Phoenix tough game there then Friday in Utah and, fr- uh, and Saturday in Portland. So three tough games there. We will have podcasts throughout the week, um, at least two or three more this week between now and then. And of course, we'll, we'll have a recap podcast after after every game. So recaps after all three of those, probably one, at least one more filler show in between, whether I have a guest or by myself remains to be seen. But please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. And hopefully, uh, given the way that I've been hearing from Hawks fans that do not like to listen after losses, people might be listening to this podcast that did not hear it before. Even if you don't listen to the pod, after a loss, and I get if you're frustrated and it's not the greatest thing in the world, I encourage you to listen, of course. But even if you don't want to listen, the download is appreciated. I really appreciate all the support for everybody, anybody, anybody. But just tell your friends about the show, and we'll see you all next time.